1: The world and Sport arm Vinnie Wiley this week. The Barbarians to play Manu Samoa, World Rugby visits Apia and Vanuatu fall short in their bid to win the New Zealand Beach Volleyball Open. But first, the Papua New Guinea government remains adamant that all venues and infrastructure will be ready for the start of the Pacific Games in July. Contractors are working overtime to complete venues and accommodation in time for the 28 sport event. A report at the end of last year highlighted major concerns about the progress at some venues and the Games Village. But PNG's Sports and Pacific Games Minister Justin Tachenko says the outlook has improved.
2: I'm very confident and very comfortable where all the facilities are in respect to their infrastructure development and completion for the Pacific Games. It hasn't been an easy ride. We inherited these games uh, two years behind schedule. That's the uh, Peter O'Neill government. And uh, with that, we have caught up and uh, basically created uh, miracles to get to where we are today. I want to make this very clear. If it wasn't for the Prime Minister and the NEC and finance, treasury and national planning, giving me the full support and funding from the national government, these games would have not happened. Uh, we're talking 1.4 billion Kina coming from the government. No loans from outside, government money sponsoring this game. We've got four golden months to ensure that all the facilities are ready for July 4th, 2015. Uh, Our contractors are working overtime. Most of them have two or three shifts a day and uh, everything's moving forward in the right direction. So far, the weather's been uh, very uh, kind to us. But um, for the Pacific Games, we're looking forward to all the Pacific Island countries, including Australia and New Zealand, uh, arriving and having uh, one of the best Pacific Games that this region has ever seen.
1: You've made plenty of promises over the last, I guess, 18 months to two years that everything would be ready in time it seems like all the venues will certainly be ready for competition and the pacific games council have said that even if the final lick of paint isn't quite there that's all they require what is the acceptable thing for you is is it just making sure everything is ticked off for the organizers or i mean are you wanting that final lick of paint as well
2: no, I want the final lick of paint. We don't spend every day of the week non-sleepless nights pulling out your hair, making sure that everything's done, uh, just to have uh, everything half done. I'm not uh, interested in that. As Minister, my objective and this government's objective is to make sure that uh, these games are games-ready and venues-ready, and um, we want to see everything shining and uh, looking fantastic uh, for when all our visitors arrive and athletes arrive. The Games Village has got 30 buildings that will hold 4,000 uh, athletes and uh, administrators, administrators and managers. Uh, that is nearing completion now, I'm proud to say, and it's going to be a lasting legacy for the university with the to hold all the students. That is an unbelievable uh, infrastructure development there for um, the university and for education in the long term. Uh, and that uh, will, will definitely uh, be a wonderful place for all the athletes to congregate in a modern um, and uh, professional surroundings. Uh, The aquatic centre, the two pools are are now in, 25 and 50 metre pools. They all came all the way from Italy. They're the only ones in the area other than at the Melbourne Aquatic Centre. So when it comes to the infrastructure development, we have designed these not just for the Pacific Games. The Pacific Games is just the beginning for Papua New Guinea. It's, uh, these facilities are internationally accredited and we'll be using them for the future of uh, our sporting men and women and also for attracting uh, international events to PNG. Uh, just like how we're now currently bidding for the FIFA World Cup uh, Women's Under-19 2016, which is looking good, and for Papua New Guinea to play the uh, World Cup Rugby League pool in 2017.
1: The report from a couple of months ago from the uh, Infrastructure and, and Venues and Equipment Committee which highlighted the concerns over some of the progress, the likes of the village, the aquatic centre, the Sir John Guy's Stadium and, and and whatnot, you at the time said that there were obviously some concerns about the delays, uh, that was a couple of months ago now, so have things improved in terms of those individual venues?
2: Oh, absolutely. I'm very proud of uh, Fletcher the uh, New Zealand company that has uh, been working tirelessly on the aquatic centre and the outdoor uh, stadium. Um, I can sleep well knowing that uh, those two venues are definitely going to be ready for the Games. Uh, I was only out there yesterday uh, inspecting all the facilities with the project managers, with the contractors, and uh, they are looking fantastic and they'll be uh, Games ready uh, in uh, 31st of May. At the end of the day, some other issues will be sorted out, like, for example, the Hubert Murray Stadium will have stage one of its finish for the Games, which is the uh, three stadiums sitting 15,000 people. Stage two will be the more commercial stadium, which will have the VIP boxes as well as the uh, the sports bar and conference centres and um, meeting rooms and all the rest of it that will come... Um, After the games, but at the end of the day, all the facilities will have um, everything ready for our athletes to have the Pacific Games Organising Committee uh, set up and uh, ready to roll out uh, the games on July
1: 4th. That's Papua New Guinea's Sports and Pacific Games Minister Justin Tachenko. Manu Samoa will play the iconic Barbarians Club in the first rugby match at London's Olympic Stadium in the lead-up to this year's World Cup. The match at the end of August will come less than two months after Samoa host a historic test against the All Blacks in Apia and three weeks before the World Cup opener against the United States. Samoa coach Stephen Beetham says it's a great privilege to play their first ever match against the Barbarians and a historical moment to do so at the Olympic Stadium. He says the attacking flair of Barbar's rugby will be a good test and an ideal final dress rehearsal before the tournament begins. The match on August 29th is part of the Barbarians' 125th anniversary celebrations, in which they will also play matches against the likes of Ireland, England and Argentina. Meanwhile, World Rugby and the Samoa Rugby Union are singing from the same song sheet following talks in Apia, The SRU has committed to implementing governance, management and financial reforms recommended in an independent review conducted last year. The union has faced a turbulent few years with officials accused of mismanaging funds at the last World Cup and players threatening to boycott a test against England in November. World Rugby's general manager for Asia and Oceania, William Glenwright, says significant progress has been made.
0: Not that I think we were ever on differing pages. It was just a matter of agreeing on a process of reform that's been identified by both the Samoa Rugby Union and World Rugby. One of the major outcomes of the meeting between the Prime Minister or Chairman of the Samoa Rugby Union and, and our chairman. Bernard in, passe in Brussels last December was that a World Rugby delegation would visit Samoa as, as soon as possible in, in 2015 to discuss that reform process. And, yes, those meetings took place week before last in It It's a World Rugby delegation of, of five people heading over and we met with uh, the full board of the Samoa Rugby Union on a number of occasions actually to discuss the reform process. The outcomes are very positive. The union acknowledged the need for reform. They did commission an independent report last year both on the organisational structure of the union but also the financial management of, of the union. Both of those were undertaken independently and the findings of which were handed down at the end of last year and the purpose of the meetings last week were to discuss the recommendations arising from those reports and, and how World Rugby can assist the union in, in implementing them.
1: So if the Manu Samoa players hadn't taken the action they did or, or had threatened to take in November in terms of you know, potentially boycotting that test against England, would these meetings have still happened this soon? Would this outcome, these reforms still have been made or did that press things along?
0: The reform process had already begun at the time of the players' threatened action in in November last year. The the independent reviews were conducted in June, July last year and and the findings were handed down prior to the November tour. I think what happened in November was a, a matter of miscommunication. Certainly there was a sense of frustration on the part of the players and whilst their action, I guess, brought to a head some of the issues that were being faced by the union, that reform process had already commenced. There's no doubt about it, it did create a a, a sense of urgency. It it brought to a head, perhaps publicly, the frustrations of the players, but I I think to be fair to the union, they had already recognised a need for reform by way of commissioning these reports uh, earlier in the year, and the discussions with with World Rugby had already commenced on how we would go about implementing those
1: reforms. Are there concerns at World Rugby with the way the Samoa Rugby Union is being run currently? A need for reform indicates that some things weren't working in the past or are you happy that they have accepted faults and blame and, and obviously are wanting to make things better?
0: We're satisfied following these meetings last week that the, the union have recognised the need for reform, they've recognised the areas that need to be addressed and but I think it's also important to note that the purpose of the meetings wasn't simply to lay blame and point the finger at any individual or group of individuals. It was also about how World Rugby can assist in implementing the reforms and certainly an aspect of the meetings last week was to look at what reform processes were needed within the union and how World Rugby can um, assist, equip and educate uh, the staff and executive of, of the member unions to implement those.
1: It's obviously a very big year for Samoan rugby. There's an All Blacks test happening in a few months' time, uh, Do you have any concerns that what happened in November could happen in the lead-up to that? Are you confident that match is going to go ahead without a hitch?
0: Absolutely confident that that match will go ahead. You're right, it's a huge 18 to 24 months laying, uh, lying ahead for Samoa Rugby Union and the region as a whole but you know, the historic test between the All Blacks and Namanu and Samoa is obviously at the forefront of everyone's mind including the Samoa Rugby Union, then we have Rugby World Cup September and October and then of course we have our, our Rugby Sevens at the Olympics in Rio in, in 2016 and I think if we talk about what's created a sense of urgency for the need for reform, that is really what has created this sense of urgency. We I think the union is facing a, a very rare, perhaps once-in-a-lifetime series of events, all of which are so important to Samoa Rugby and indeed the Pacific Islands more broadly. A key component of the discussions that we had with the union last month was the work that they were doing with the Pacific Island Players Association, and that's been very positive. They are currently in talks to agree on a, um, a set of protocols that will clearly lay out the roles and responsibilities of both the players and the Samoa Rugby Union to ensure all national teams are prepared to the best of their ability. We're very confident those talks are progressing well. There's great communication between all parties and it's looking very positive ahead of the All Blacks test later this year.
1: That appears to be what a lot of the crux of the issue was. You talk about communication uh, you know, you've got one side, the players that obviously had some issues. They wanted to express them and they felt like when they did, it wasn't heard or it was discarded or ignored or not seen as worthy of being said. Um, so those channels of communication, has that been, I guess, one of the challenges in making sure they're up and running? Because I guess in any situation in life, if people feel like they've got a grievance and they can at least be heard and respected and, you know, whether they're agreed with or not, um, you know, that, you know, goes a long way.
2: Yeah,
0: look, Ed, you're absolutely right. And, The Pacific Island Players Association is a relatively new organisation and and so awareness amongst our member unions of what the role and function of the the Players Association was still being developed. I've got to say PIPA have been fantastic in their dealings with all of our member unions and likewise the member unions now have a better understanding of what the role, purpose and function is of of PIPA and, and really the common understanding and the aspirations of both organisations are exactly the same. Now, the aim of PIPA is for rugby in the Pacific Islands to grow and, and for the for the players to assist in that process. And likewise, the member unions aspire to perform as, as best as they possibly can on the international stage and for the youth of, of the countries to be inspired by the feats of the players on the international stage. So we're all aiming for the same thing. You know, We're very confident that that will continue because the communication barriers, I feel, have been broken down and, and we're all now working towards that one common objective, which is to grow rugby in
1: the region. OK, and obviously at the top of the union there's a bit of a vacancy. There's now an interim CEO and an interim high-performance boss in charge following uh, resignations last week. Was there any involvement from World Rugby? Will you guys have any involvement in, uh, I guess, the search for the long-term replacements for this role? Are you comfortable with how that is going to be handled? You know, and As we say, what is a big year with the World Cup and a... All Blacks test and whatnot looking ahead?
0: Yes, we're comfortable with the organisation and and how they are tracking with implementing the recommendations that have been tabled in in the independent reviews that were, were taking place. Uh, we will be involved in the recruitment of the key staff as we are with all our member unions and, you know, as we always have been in positions where World Rugby funding is contributing to the salary of those positions. So, yes, we'll be involved as requested by the Samoa Rugby Union and we're looking forward to, to with them to find candidates for those roles.
1: That's World Rugby's General Manager for Asia and Oceania, William Glenwright. The World Cup isn't the only cricket being played at the moment, with Fiji creating some history at the East Asia Pacific Under 19 Trophy in Blenheim this week. The Baby Blues stunned defending champions Papua New Guinea on Tuesday in the opening round of competition, chasing down the Garamuts' score of 133 all out, with 5 wickets and 18 overs to spare. It's the first time PNG have lost to a regional rival in the Under 19 format, and the first time a Fijian team has beaten PNG in cricket since 2001. Fiji coach Shane Jurgensen says to watch his team play like that gives him a lot of pride, but says they need to remain focused for their remaining matches in the competition. It's a really fantastic reward. I mean, to be really blatantly honest, we had a horrific preparation for this last week. You know, we're meant to be in New Zealand on Wednesday and play a couple of warm-up games, so, you know, just a fantastic effort from them. The boys have prepared well, though, since early December. You know, just fantastic effort from them to beat a very good team in PNG, so it's you a special performance. The competition runs until the end of this week, with the overall winner advancing to next year's World Cup in Bangladesh, with the runner-up to get another chance at a final qualifying tournament later in the year. Vanuatu fell short in their bid to win the New Zealand Beach Volleyball Open for a second year running. The fifth seeds Linlin Mansale and Lottie Joe were beaten 21-16, 21-19 by eventual winners Shauna Polly and Julia Tilly in the semi-finals in Auckland at the weekend. Last year, Vanuatu's Miller Elwin and Henriette Iatika beat the same New Zealand pairing in the Open final. Earlier this month, Vanuatu qualified for the Beach Volleyball World Cup, which takes place in the Netherlands in June. And the Papua New Guinea Hunters will play a pre-season trial match against the Northern Pride in Cairns this Friday, after last weekend's match in Ipswich was cancelled because of Cyclone Marsha. The game against the Jets was to be the Hunters' only pre-season hit-out. But after Mother Nature intervened, the defending Queensland Cup champions, the Pride, agreed to host the impromptu clash. The Pride also hosted the Hunters last February in their first ever game, won by PNG, but the Cairns Club proved too strong in their two regular season clashes during 2014. And that's the world in sport for this week. I'm Vinnie Wiley. As always, thank you very much for listening.